Here's the pitch. Oliver wants to throw. He's got Lance Carl open. Caught. 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The Buffaloes at four on a 52-yard pass from O.C. Oliver to Lance Carl. Running the option on first down. it go. He's got three people down there. The ball's up in the air. Caught. Touchdown. Caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. Here's the toss play up Breaks a tackle. Touchdown. Touchdown. That's five for Chris Brown. Five-step drop. Sefo. Lufa wants the deep ball. Welcome into a new Buff Stampede radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, here with fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin. Tyler, it feels like we've been talking for about nine months now, and uh, we finally get to see some football this Friday. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Feels like it's almost it's it's almost kind of caught up to me quickly though. In the last few weeks here, it's crazy that the game is in two days. Um, I'm not prepared at all. Having a big party at the house, I have nothing ready. Okay. And I have a lot to do, so I'm getting a little bit worried. Not really about the game necessarily, just being prepped in life. I'm ready for football. Could be a fun year. Is too much or too little being made about the importance of this game? Um, <laughs> I guess you could argue it either way. Um, I had an interesting stat that I found while doing some research for the other podcast in that the last four CSU victories came in years when CU went 2-10, and 10, one and eleven, two and ten, and three and nine. So you could look at that one or two ways: either they only or they only get it done against us when we're terrible, or this game really does affect our entire season. And if we don't get it done, the rest of the year falls apart. I I um, lean towards the former. Yeah, I would I would agree, but um, you know, it's an important game. You want to get up on the right foot. People are there are a lot of people out there expecting us to make a bowl. It's hard to see that happening if you don't figure a way to win this game. We're favored by more than we have been in quite some time. Generally, that means they feel like the talent gap is widening. I feel like they have a lot more question marks than last year. We're expected to be better than last year. All that stuff kind of points to us finding a way to get a victory, but uh, you never know. It's a rivalry-type game. you got to show up and win. Certainly, you, you look at this program where it's at, and it just seems so close to turning the corner. But then you start to think about, what happens if they lose on Friday? And your mind goes to a really dark place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm all too familiar with the football season ending in week one. <laughs> um, it's not my favorite. Uh, I prefer to actually enjoy football for a couple weeks this year. And it's kind of, I feel like almost you get this game, you're kind of in good shape until week five, in my opinion. I mean, we're not going to lose to Idaho State. And I don't think you can really be too disappointed or upset if we, if we don't beat Michigan or Oregon on the road. Um, so, you know, like you're really to me is you get this one done. There's not a lot of nerves for me until you get back to week five, Oregon state coming to town. So, uh, it'll be, if we, if we find a way, I think it'll be a big sense of relief on my end. There was quite a lot made of the, uh, preseason depth chart that came out and a lot of people surprised that Michael Matthews was the backup at nose tackle. I would say though, by and large, the depth chart was basically what I kind of expected it to be. Yeah, there was, there wasn't a whole lot of surprises. Definitely. I think, you know, Especially with the D-line rotation. I mean, they, they literally rotate guys. They're, you're going to have guys that play all three positions based on who they're playing, what the scheme is, the situation, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to see guys who are at D-end playing nose tackle, vice versa, on the left side, on the right side. You know, we, we, we heard uh, Jeff Coates say that they're going to play a rotation of seven guys, and I think you can fully expect that to be the case. For me, the X factor in this season is Bryce Bobo. I've been asked, doing a lot of radio interviews and stuff, about the impact of Jawan Winfrey's injury. And to me, it's like, it's not a big deal if Bryce Bobo does what he did in camp during the season. But it's a huge deal if he doesn't stay focused because all of a sudden your depth at receiver drops down quite a bit. 
if he has a really good season, I could see that being the X factor for this football team and potentially being a bowl game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's has a lot to do. Yeah, has a lot to do with how successful we're going to be at this point. I mean, I do think there's definitely a dramatic step down between Bobo and Juwan Winfrey. Do you not, really? Not not a slight on Bobo at all, in my opinion. I just okay. think Winfrey the how he matches up with Shea Fields, I think, was a, just like a perfect combination for that. Winfrey's really physical. Doesn't have to be open and catch passes. I haven't seen that out of Bobo yet. I mean, I hope I hope that he can play that same type of role. But I think Winfrey was a special player that it'd be tough to guard both of those guys. Now, I think we're still, from a depth perspective, you go three or four out, there's going to be not a lot of defenses that can cover every guy. But uh, it would have been nice to have that second true number one, in my opinion, next to Shea. Kind of like with Tupo getting suspended last year. No one wanted it at the time, but because Justin Solis... Uh, had his senior year of eligibility last year, played pretty well in that role. It kind of worked out well. Yeah. This, if Bobo plays well, it could kind of work out well with the Winfrey situations because he has his red shirt intact. He doesn't lose a year of eligibility. You separate him from Shea Fields and Bryce Bobo eligibility-wise. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, especially if you have, if Bobo turns out to be a legitimate number two and Winfrey comes back next year, you have all three of those guys. That's a really, really scary one, two, three combination if it does work out that way, so... I look at yeah. Bobo more as a, as, a, as a number three to Devin Ross and, and Shea Fields. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, I, last year I called number numerous times for him to get the ball more than he was. Um, so it's not like I don't think he's capable. I just think Winfrey's a special player. I mean, it has nothing to do with Bobo's talent, in my opinion. And we'll see how it works out. I mean, he's definitely capable of putting up big numbers if he gets a lot of opportunities. You were calling for Bryce Bobo to get the ball last year, but you got to run the right routes and sometimes for yeah. that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we hear. So we'll see if the... <laughs> By all accounts, he's he's focused, and uh, I think Cheverini has done a really good job of connecting with him and, and uh, you know, being able to take him aside and practice, not demean the kid, and explain exactly what he wants and expects from him, so that's been good. Is there a storyline with this team that, that's a bigger deal than maybe the average fan is making it out to be going into the season? Yeah, I feel like Jeremy Irwin has been really quiet amongst the fan base, even in interviews, that kind of stuff. We haven't heard a lot about him returning. It's always a good time when your best lineman comes back. Um, there are some issues on the other side of the line, potentially, and you can say, well, the line's only as good as its worst chain link. But I think if you if you know that you have one side of the line locked down, it makes it easier to scheme, if necessary. Um, he's a really good player, uh, somebody that I think is really going to solidify what we do offensively. Having him healthy is a lot bigger deal than I think people have discussed thus far. Clayton Adams said that Jerry Coe might have had the best camp among the offensive linemen. So, yeah, I think you have kind of established that that side of the ball. I think we expect a lot out of Tim Lanott at right guard, but mm-hmm. maybe let's not get too ahead of ourselves because he is still a redshirt freshman. There's yeah. going to be some growing pains there. And Sam Cronsage, I'm really curious. It's one of those things when you go back and rewatch a game, I'm going to key in on him quite a bit because he looks to me like he's put on some good weight, um, like a lot of those offensive linemen have under Drew Wilson. Um so I think it was a good thing that he ended up beating out Aaron Hagler because I don't think you necessarily want to have two first-time starters on, on the same side of your offensive line. Well, we have a jam-packed season preview show for you here. We're going to do the mailbag next. After that, I was able to catch up with Devin Ross after, well, really the, the last media availability that we had with the team after Wednesday's practice. Then we're going to go down the, the schedule, give our predictions on wins, losses, then, Tyler, you're going to give us your Pac-12 power rankings. We're each going to give some bold predictions. And then before we get out of here, we're going to talk about some different topics, including Bubba Bolden, a four-star recruit listing, CU as a school that he wants to visit first. So right now, let's jump into the Buff Stampede mailbag. You have questions and we have answers. Well, at least these guys think they do. It's time to dive into the Buff Stampede radio mailbag, which is presented by the Blake Street Tavern. Located one block north of Coors Field, the Blake Street Tavern has been Denver's premier sports bar since its opening in 2003. The Blake Street Tavern, where the game is always on, the drinks are always full, and the fun never stops. GoBuffs88 asked, what should make CU fans nervous about the Rocky Mountain Showdown? I think just this staff's history in terms of the openers the last two years and just the fact that it's a rivalry game in your first game. I mean, nothing aside from CSU's running game really makes me nervous. Yeah, that's my answer is going to be CSU's running game. Uh, the ability to stop the run. They got two, if not three, really good running backs. 
Um, I truly honestly believe if we can shut down their running game and get a double-digit lead early, this game could get ugly. Because I don't, I have no confidence in them to be able to pass the ball on us whatsoever. Uh, if they can't use their running game to milk the clock, I feel like they're going to be in a world of hurt. So it'll be interesting. I mean, you would think that they're going to establish that part of the game, especially going up against traditionally a nickel or a 3-4 defense. They're going to try to pound the rock because that's a weakness usually of either of those defenses. So um, we, I think we have the horses to, to make some noise there, but um, they do as well. I mean, their offensive line is terrific. So uh, I think that's going to be an interesting battle to watch. I think we'll know pretty quickly how the game is going to turn out. At AdamCM777, wanted to know, Tyler, on a scale of 1 to 10, how nervous are you for Friday night? Uh, actually, I would say only a 3. Which, if you know, really, yeah. Which, if you know me, is really surprising. Um, I hate this game. I hate playing this game. I hate CSU. I hate their fans. They drive me nuts. I have not been this confident in a CSU game in a long time. I don't know if that's good, honestly, but um, that's how I'm feeling right now. I mean, there are a lot of signs pointing to us being the better team in this game. Doesn't necessarily always translate. Um, we've had some issues in opening games, but this team is a veteran group. They're a lot bigger, a lot stronger. I feel pretty good about our chances. All right. I would, if I was Utah, my nervousness scale would be higher than that. But well, what's yours at? <laughs> the thought of having you go into that post-game press conference after a <laughs> loss, I'm going to say like a nine. And not because I think Colorado State's anything great, but just... Yeah, I mean, that's a worst-case scenario, obviously. I mean, it's if let's be honest. If we lose, like, you're going to have to pull me out of a mental hospital, like, next Thursday or something. But I don't know. I, I, just, this, I just don't see that being the case right now. I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Maybe CSU's got some tricks up their sleeve for us. But it certainly doesn't sound like there's a lot of over overly optimistic folks coming out of their camp right now. And Watching CU, we're definitely a better team than we were last year. So you have to feel pretty good about our chances, I think. Nippus 13, or is that is that Nips? No idea. We'll go with Nippus. But our but I respect his love for free balling in this podcast. He okay. Loves, he loves he loves both of them. So All thank right. you. I appreciate your fandom. He wants to know about Eddie Lopez. What happened? I know he was injured most of last year, but through spring ball and fall camp, I do not think I've heard his name mentioned one time. He was a guy that I thought would be the nose tackle starter this year if Tupo had not been suspended and kept gaining size. Now it seems he's not even in the rotation or at least not getting much praise from the coaches. What really happened here was you recruited Jordan Carroll and Leo Jackson. Two years ago, you didn't have any depth on the D-line. You brought in Juco guys, and I think that's the biggest reason for him kind of being buried on the depth chart. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it hasn't surprised me as well. Um, he looked pretty good to me last year in camp. We didn't get to watch him a whole lot of him this year. Um, a few of the practices I was at, he was out um, on the bicycle, so I guess he had a little bit of injury. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he looks the part, certainly. You would you would think that he would at least be a part of the rotation, but he does have some time to figure it out. So Well, gonna... they're going to need him next year. Yeah. He's going to be a redshirt junior. You're going to have Lyle Tuiloma, who's a redshirt sophomore at that point. Brett Tons, a redshirt sophomore. Those guys are going to be battling for starting jobs a year from now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you got um, besides that, you got Jace Frankie back. You got mm-hmm. Leo Jackson back. I think that's pretty much it among the D-line rotation right now, right? So you would think he's going to be thrown into the fire unless they find some guys to to uh, replace them coming up here in this 2017 recruiting class. So, yeah, I mean, I, the, the jury's not out on him, I guess I would say, to this point. But it is a little surprising that he's not making more of an impact to me at this point. All right, 663-BAM. Wanted to know about uh, an update on some defensive line recruits. He asked, are we totally out of it for Noah Ellis? Appears that way. Why do we call on the Mullen kids? It seems we are unable to create a pipeline with Mullen and Valor. Noah Ellis is still in play. I would imagine he might take an official visit to Colorado. It's tough to say. I didn't get a chance to see Valor's opener against Saguaro, but apparently he didn't look very good in that game. Uh, he was good in the second half. Okay. The first half, though, he was like really bad. So it was kind of interesting to watch. It looked like he didn't really want to be out there. But he clearly, someone clearly called him at halftime and was like, listen, there's a lot of people talking about your ethic on TV right now. You might want to step it up. He looked really good in the third quarter, especially. I didn't watch much of the fourth, um, but he definitely made some impact plays in the third. But yeah, he was uh, a disappointment in the first half, definitely. I guess um, to answer his question, though, I wouldn't, if you put a gun in my head and said, predict where Noah Ellis is going, I wouldn't necessarily pick CU. No, him. I mean, I think people don't realize he's not from Colorado, so he's not 
you know what I mean? Like, he has no ties to the state necessarily. I'd be surprised if he ends up here. Um, In terms of other D-line recruits, I am a little surprised we're not looking at more JUCO guys just based on the depth chart next year. We're replacing a lot of guys there. Um, Shamar Hamilton is a guy that's already committed that is a JUCO D-lineman, so they have one there. I'm surprised we're not looking at a couple more, though, honestly. Um, I will say this, based on what Dante Sparacco has shown to IMG so far, I'd be pretty surprised if he doesn't end up on defense. So that might be another guy that ends up over there as well. What's tough is that defensive line, as you mentioned there, is such a big need for this program right now. I've been told that the D-line talent just nationally this cycle is really low. Like it's just not a very good year for defense alignment, which kind of comes at a bad time. That Trey Schumann kid, though, they got to keep going in on him. Did you see his first week highlights? Yeah, he's explosive. <laughs> perfect perfect for their yeah. defensive scheme. And then in terms of the Mullen kids, they, they had an offer for a year and a half. Yeah. As yeah. a staff, at some point, you got to move on, right? Definitely. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I mean, I think we all felt pretty confident we were getting at least a couple of those guys going into the summer. And they just kept slow playing us and not showing much interest. I mean, Marcus McElroy just literally not showing up to the camp was kind of writing on the wall for me um, at, right after we got the commitment from Alex Fontenot. I just, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like they're willing to take the jump. And if that's the case, we're landing good talent from all over the country. You can't beg a kid to come. So. I was happy for Christian Cumber, though, that he got that Michigan State offer yeah. because that's if CU's not going to be a possibility for him, it's great that he's got that you know chance to play really legit college football, so that's good. I think Marcus McElroy might end up at Kansas State as long as they still keep recruiting him. Isaiah Banks, honestly, I kind of picture as maybe not a Power 5 type guy. He seems kind of like a tweener. I like his game, but he's maybe in between being a, a linebacker or safety in college. Well... Next up on our show, we're going to jump into an interview with Devin Ross. He had a really good spring, and by all accounts, even though we haven't really been able to see it with our own eyes, has had a good preseason. So here's what he had to say to me after Wednesday's practice. Here with Devin Ross. Devin, uh, just a couple days now until that uh, season opener. What, what's kind of running through your mind? What are your emotions like? Uh, my butterfly is starting to kick in right now, and um, I'm just thinking about making plays. I've been thinking about that like for the for the past like two months basically but I'm just thinking about it more and more and just our game plan I'm just thinking about the plays I want to make and just all the things I want to do and just can't wait to sing the fight song at the end. Did you feel like you took that momentum you gained from having a strong spring over into to the preseason camp? Uh, yeah I, pre- I pretty much did yeah I just kept doing kept catching the ball and just kept running my routes right and uh, being consistent with it on a daily basis and learning from my coach Coach Chev has just made me a better player so far and uh, I appreciate him and I just appreciate our offense and just what we're, what we're able to do and what we're going to do against CSU. What were kind of the keys to you making improvements off of last season and, and being where you're at now going into this season? Um, I just want to uh, be better at blocking because I know NFL receivers have to be good at blocking in the slot and just in general. And I also just my hands, like as you probably know, as you know for sure from last year, just my uh, couple of drops I had here and there. And I'm um, just getting rid of those. So that's not part of my name because that's not who I am. I'm a good receiver that can be consistent just like any other receiver can. And, uh, and I know what I'm capable of now. So I've gotten better. In terms of correcting the, the drops, did it have more to do with a technique in terms of the way you were uh, looking the ball in, or was it more just kind of a mental thing overall? Um, it was a little bit of both. It's like uh, mostly mental, though. Like I, w- I would feel like I already made the play before it happened, and uh, and also found out that I needed contacts too, which was another thing that I, that helped me out a lot. Also, and uh, just doing jug machines every day just to get your hand-eye coordination better consistently, and uh, and I feel like I've gotten way better at that. And the coaches have told me I've gotten way better also. So that's. It's making me happy. Slot receiver is a, a very important role in, in this uh, offense. Do you mm-hmm. feel like you're – it sounds like you feel like you're kind of ready for this challenge, uh, ready to have a, have a good season. Yes, sir. I looked at Joaquin Grant from Texas Tech last year in their, in their offense that Coach Chef ran last year, and uh, he got the ball like over 100 times. So I'm just – I'm ready for the role, and uh, whatever whatever comes at me, I'm going to be ready for it, and I'm going to make my plays when they're there and I celebrate with my teammates when they make their own plays. Coming out from California, I don't know how much you knew about this Rocky Mountain Showdown rivalry before you got here. Being in it a couple of years, uh, do you kind of understand the importance of it better now? Uh, yeah, definitely now because it's, it's just so much tension between the two schools. I mean, I had something like that in California, with, but it's nothing like how serious it is here. And I just, it makes me love it even more. Like this game is the most important game to us right now. And it's, it's just so exciting just to be able to go out there in front of all the fans. And just, it's, I heard it's like 30,000 so far. So I just can't wait for it to be even more. And uh, just to sing the fight song and jump in the stands after the game and celebrate with all of them. A lot of pressure going into this game. How do you allow that pressure to bring out the best in you guys versus uh, the, the negative? 
Um, that's what we focus on this camp is to be able to handle pressure as an offense and as a team just because we know it's going to be pressure. Everybody's going to be yelling at us when we make bad plays. They're going to be down on us and when we make good plays, they're going to be on us. So we just got to keep persistent. And uh, like Coach, Coach Chef says, one snap and clear. So we play one play. And if we go, whether it's good or bad, we're just going to go to the next play and just go from there and start from zero. And that's our mindset. And lastly, getting Sefo Lufau back out here this preseason, what, what have you seen from, from your quarterback? Um, uh, words can't describe how much I've seen from Sefo. He just, he's, he's been great this whole camp. And, uh, and I love his leadership and just how much how much enthusiasm he has, his stamina. He's ready to play like every play, and he always pushes me and my receivers. He c communicates with us, makes sure we know all the, all the plays and calls. And uh, he's just a great leader, and I love having him in our backfield. And he's going to lead us to some big wins and a lot of a lot of wins this year. Thanks, Devin. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I thought Devin was pretty good there. Very uh, very confident coming into this season. What are your expectations for Devin Ross this season? Oh, I don't want to give away too much based on the segment we have coming okay. up here. But right. uh, fair enough. I think he's gonna. I think he'll be pretty solid. I mean, we've heard a lot about the drop issues being 100% fixed with him. I, you know, I'm not really to say that. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy with the greatest hands on the team, but I think he's improved in that category. So, um, you know, he's going to drop a few. Don't expect otherwise. But I think he's ready to have a big time impact for us this year. All right, let's go down the schedule and make our predictions, Tyler. We had some fans wanting us to do this on earlier shows. We waited, held off until now to do it. And so let's start out with Friday's game. We're not going to give a score prediction here. We're going to do that on our uh, video preview. But give me a, a win or a loss. I think I know where, where you're headed here. W. W. I got a win there as well. Idaho State at home. Pretty clear we're going to go yeah, to wins there. So they start out 2-0. Michigan in Ann Arbor. You're going to be there, uh, Tyler, right? I am going to be there. Not expecting a win. I mean, if, if people are pissed off no matter what the outcome is of this game, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, we're going on the road in front of 100,000 people and playing a team that many expect to be in the top five in the country. I would keep your expectations fairly low for this one. All right, so we both have a loss there. Yeah. And if you could set up a perfect schedule for them this year, just knowing how much this how much it would mean to this program to go, go to a bowl game, obviously you're not scheduling that Michigan either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think they probably would have liked to uh, figure that one out if they could have, but... Next year's yes. non-conference yeah, yeah, what, what you would want this year. Exactly. Oregon and Eugene. Ducks might not be as good this year, Tyler. Yeah, I definitely think they're going to struggle stopping other teams from scoring. Um, so I actually, we actually talked about this. I think it's the easiest road game outside of Arizona. So if there was going to be an upset on the road um, outside of Arizona, I like this one the most. I think if somehow we could stop their running game, I feel like we would have a chance to somehow sneak one out there. It is going to be a loss for me, uh, but I, I do think it, there's a there's a potential to keep this game interesting. Yeah, I actually have Oregon finishing third in the North this year. I think it's going to be a down year, and there's going to be a lot of heat on Mark Helfrich if that ends up happening. I think they're competitive, but again, yeah, Odson Stadium is a tough place to pick a team to go in there and, and upset a team, so I'm going to go loss there. Oregon State in Boulder. Uh, I have that as a W. Um, I actually feel really confident that's a long time since I could say I was confident we were winning a conference game based on a one-game prediction. So uh, we played terrible last year, beat them on the road. Don't see them being a whole lot better. We've improved quite a bit. I think that game will actually be somewhat of a walk. If Colorado is going to a bowl game this year, there are three games that kind of fall into, the, I hate this term, that must-win category, but kind yeah. of applies here. Colorado State, Idaho State, and Oregon State. I don't think yeah. you can afford to lose any of those. Yeah, you got to find a way to start three and two, definitely. And then you've got a three and two record, really going into the meat of your schedule, and that's big for a team full of, you know, college kids from their psyche standpoint. I think that's going to be a, a confidence boost for them going out to USC in Los Angeles. Um, that's a loss. Uh, we've struggled with them last year. I think we kind of blew our opportunity to really get them. They're going to be really talented next year. Their running backs are insanely good. Juju Smith-Schuster, monster. Uh, we'll see what they have at quarterback. Um, but there's just a lot of talent on the field there, and we have really struggled in USC Stadium. So I can't see us coming out with a victory there. I have a loss there as well. This is an interesting one here. Arizona State in Boulder. So this is my most important game on the entire schedule. I think we need to prove that you can beat somebody in your own division. Um, Arizona State's going to be down this year. It comes at a really important time in the schedule. Uh, there's a legitimate possibility if they don't win this game, they'll lose six games in a row. Um, so to me, 
is really important. That's a really tough stretch. You got USC, Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA, Arizona, and Washington State all in a row. After that, all pretty solid teams expected to be pretty pretty solid bowl contenders at the very least. Um, so that's the most winnable of that one to me at home. Arizona State is a team that's had our number in the past, but I think they're gonna their defense is gonna struggle this year. I feel like we're gonna have a chance at home. Really important game for me. I have it as a win. I have it as a win as well, and uh, you mentioned that their defense is going to struggle this year. Norvell leaving that coaching staff, I don't think people are giving – because Tom Graham's a defensive guy. Norvell is was the brains behind that offense and the success. They have a new quarterback. I actually picked Pac, uh, Arizona State to finish last in the Pac-12 South this year. I think they're going to struggle. Um, I think they're going to be the second or worst team in the conference this year. So there are games on here like – Obviously, at Michigan, at Oregon, at Stanford, at USC, that if you somehow pull off the upset, would create more of a, a national buzz. But in terms of like just CU fans in general, and given the fact that they've never beat Arizona, Arizona State, I feel like that game, if they do win that, provides more satisfaction for this fan base than any other game on the schedule. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's I feel like there's a kind of a budding hatred for Arizona State among CU fans as well especially with how they've handled us in the past few years. Um, their coaches are less than favorable in terms of personality, I would say. I've uh, gotten a few kids out of Colorado that have turned out to be pretty good that I think has left a sore spot and some fans uh, on some fans as well. So to me, yeah, it's, like I said, I think it's the most important game on the schedule. He won't do it, but I would love if like Colorado beat Arizona State and McIntyre went in the postgame press conference and said, yeah, we beat a team we should have beaten because that's yes. what Todd Graham did to Colorado a couple years ago. Yeah. So moving along, Stanford in Palo Alto, one of my favorite places for a road game, even though the fans are kind of lame. Um, I don't see. Yeah, I don't see us beating Christian McCaffrey on the road. I'll just keep it as simple as that. I think they have their schedule is brutal. I think they have the potential to pile up a few more losses than expected this year. Um, but that that to me is the best team that we play this year. Uh, outside of maybe Michigan, so I can't see us winning that one. I got that as a loss as well. You said you think Arizona State in Boulder might be the most important game on the schedule. I think UCLA in Boulder might be the most important if you're going to go to a bowl game. That kind of with the Utah game are kind of those swing games that certainly Colorado's not going to be predicted to win, but they've they've competed against both those programs every year seemingly. I'm really, really torn on that one. I think I'm going to put it in a loss, though, just because of the Josh Rosen factor. I really struggle with that one, though. Yeah, that's kind of – Josh Rosen was the reason for me as well. I actually have them most like, the most as the most likely team to win the South as well. So, I mean, it's of the, of the home games, it's probably the most difficult for me. Um, definitely a winnable game. We've played them really tough, uh, but uh, not ready quite yet to predict a win against UCLA. Arizona in Tuscum? Uh, most winnable road game. I'm probably a little bit higher on them than, if, than other people are at the moment, in my opinion. I don't know. Until I, until I see us beat a team that's capable of making a ball on the road, it's just tough for me to predict it. So for me, it's still a loss. All right. I got a loss there as well. Washington State in Boulder could be an interesting game. Luke Falk is back at quarterback there. I just like... Uh, you know, with Colorado secondary, I think as long as they don't get decimated with injuries, they match up fairly well there. With it being in Boulder, I'm going to give this a win for Colorado. Yeah, I have it as a loss, but it's basically a toss-up game for me. Um, I'm glad, glad we finally disagreed on yeah, the game here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't know. It's just, it's just one. Of, I feel like we've, we've, our luck has run out with Washington State to some degree. That 2012 game, I feel like Karma's going to come back to get us at some point for how we found a way to win that one. Well, there was the game, though, um, the other game, Embry's first year, where they basically had one wrapped up, and then there was that long pass to Marquise Wilson where, uh, was it Perkins that got beat on the double move? Greg Henderson was out there, too. Yeah. So the luck's I gone just, both ways in that series. Yeah, they, they, they're explosive offense. Um, I think their D will be improved this year as well. I think Luke Fox probably the best quarterback outside of Josh Rosen in the conference, too, so. It's a toss-up for me, but I have it as a loss, which is probably good because we've been following each other along on the schedule so far. So I'm at five wins going into the regular season finale. You're at four? Yes. So in your scenario, the Buffs aren't going to a bowl game here, but yeah. are they going to get that uh Yeah, that I, have, I have them beating Utah. Okay. Um, people are really high on Utah. I feel like they're kind of forgetting the fact that they really overachieved at the beginning of last year and kind of fell back to earth as the season wore on. 
Um, they're going to be great in the trenches, but unfortunately, I don't think that style of play is really conducive to the Pac-12. Um, you got to have playmakers, both sides, in the secondary and you know, wide receiver, running backs, even quarterback. they got a lot of people to replace. I don't think they're going to score enough points to really be a huge impact in the Pac-12. Home game for us, we've always played Utah really tough, even when the talent gap was considerably wider. Um, I think this year that gap is severely um, severely tightened, so I think we're going to win this one this year. Yeah, I, I want to call this one a win too, Tyler. I really do. Um, I went into camp thinking this is a 5-7 and seven team, and for the first time ever, I'm not going to change my prediction based off camp, and part of that is I didn't get to see enough to really yeah. do that. I'm going to call that a loss in Boulder, and I'm going to say 5-7. and seven. But, I'm, I mean, even at 5-7 and seven, with all these bowls, there's still a chance of them getting into a bowl game. There their, is. Their APR has climbed up every year recently. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think. Which, if, if you didn't know, the APR, APR is how they decide which of those 5-7 right. and seven teams are going to get in the bowl game. Exactly, yeah. I, I would, a lot of people are going to be disappointed by the prediction, I think. I think that's a much better result than most people are giving credit for right now. Schedule's tough. It's going to be top 10, 15 in the country. We're still a growing team. Um, there's just not a lot of winnable road games on the schedule. It makes it tough. It's hard to it's hard to assume that you're going to go 6-1 and one at home. 5-7, um, and seven, this team would be good enough to make a bowl in pretty much any other league, in my opinion. You know, if you fall just short. I, I would hope that it would be enough to give McIntyre another year, especially with the recruiting class that we have coming in. Um, I'd be disappointed if that wasn't the case. I know a lot of fans will probably disagree with me, but I would feel pretty like content with a five and seven. I mean, obviously you're so close that you miss out, be disappointing, but it would be a solid step up, um, in my opinion. Since I resisted the urge to bump them up to six wins, the anti jinx is on. So when Colorado goes six and six or seven and five, you can just thank me if you <laughs> yes. see me in the streets. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I will say so. Well, the last, I mean, if you paid any attention to what I've had to say in the last five years. I basically just scoffed at anyone who said we were going to a bowl game in the last five years. Just dismissed them as crazy. It's not crazy this year. No, not at all. I would not even be remotely surprised if we made a bowl game this year. I'm just not ready to make the prediction yet because I'm from Cleveland and I'm a natural-born pessimist, even though the Cavs won this year. Um, But, yeah, I would not be surprised if they made a bowl game this year. I would have been extremely shocked if they did in any of the previous five years I've been working on Buffs MP with you. So if Colorado goes to a bowl game and then the men's basketball team makes a sweet 16, there's no way you're going to top that as a sports fan that year. Oh, and the Cavs won the title. I'm that's good. what I mean. I'm yeah, good for that's life. a big part of that. Yeah. I'm good for life. Might have just have to quit sports. Go live in the woods with no electricity for the rest of my life. <laughs> just be happy. <laughs> well, before we uh, move on, let's – Talk about the Pac-12 football championship game in Santa Clara. I've got, uh, and I'm not alone in this, that Washington's generating a lot of hype because of their defense. I actually like them and UCLA to meet in the championship game with uh, UCLA winning the, the Pac-12 this year. Um, yeah. I, Washington does have the easiest road, for sure. I mean, so that's, that's an easy one to say. But I think Stanford's the best team, so I'm actually going to pick them um, just based on the fact that I want you know, like I think those are the two best teams in the league this year. So that's how I'm gonna that's how I'm gonna go with it. Uh, Washington, you know, maybe they'll sneak their way in there. Stanford's schedule is absolutely ridiculous. Um, so there could be a, quite a few losses on there for them, but I'm still gonna give them the edge right now because I do think at the end of the day they're the better team, even though their schedule is much more difficult. So I have UCLA and Stanford. Well, that transitions us into your Pac-12 power rankings here, and I gotta know. Uh, what, what, what were your thoughts on Cal? I mean, I say this is the preseason Pac-12 power rankings, but obviously Pac- Cal's already got a game under their belt. That was not an easy football game to watch. Uh, no, it was not. Um, I was at work for it, but I, we actually I, – I played it back to see what was going on there. Um, and they won. They, they looked a little better than I expected, honestly, but Hawaii was pretty awful. Uh, made a lot of big mistakes. I think Cal's um, defense is going to give up yeah, they're 40 points a game a lot. this season. They're going to give up a lot of points, definitely. They looked pretty disappointing overall. Um, it did not affect my ranking of them at all. Okay. So why? I mean, we'll see what they got to do. I don't think they're going to be very good. I'll say that. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this each show, but I'd love for you to kind of give your Pac-12 power rankings and 
uh, kind of do that on a week-to-week basis and, and mention the risers, fallers. What, what's your list at going into the first full week of the season? Do you want me to start at 1 or do you want me to start at Let's go reverse order. Here. Okay, so Oregon State's 12. I think pretty much everybody would have that going in. Um, I think they're pretty much the consensus worst team in the league this year. A lot of rebuilding to do there. Offense is going to be questionable. I think their defense is actually going to be even worse than it was last year. So I see them struggling to win a game in conference this year. Um, 11, I have Arizona State. Uh, we talked. We kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. I think they are the worst team in the division this year, uh, taking a big step back. Their defense is terrible. They're going to have to score a lot of points in every game in order to win some games. Um, they're, they're playing, is Todd Graham going to blitz them every play like he did in the yeah, past? Yeah, I, mean, I think he's just going to have to take some gambles and see, see what comes out of it. I, I think us having the game at home obviously gives us the advantage there. Um, so right now I have Colorado 10. Um, it's the highest they've was, been on any Pac-12 power rankings in a little was, bit. Yeah, I mean, you're mo- moving up slightly for sure. Um, at 5-7, and seven, there's only so many other spots that you can go. I think most people are expecting at least eight teams to make a bowl. So um, you can kind of work your way through that. Uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, I, I want that to be much higher, but for now, that's where I'm comfortable throwing them. I have Cal at 9. Um, they've got a game under their belt. Look like they're going to be able to score some points. Defense is going to be bad. But, uh, and he who shall not be named. Yeah, exactly. Their uh, non-conference schedule is a little more simple than ours, shall we say, so I think they have a little bit of an advantage there. Eight, I have Utah. All three of these teams for me are pretty tightly contested. Um, they, I think they'll probably have a, uh, one more win on the schedule. I think they have a chance to get to a bowl game. But they're not going to be as good as I think people are predicting right now. I think they're in the top 30 of the preseason polls. I'd be very surprised if they end up that high. Again, we talked about this a little bit before. Just don't have enough offense for me. Um, Arizona, I have at seven, um, which I think is probably going to be a little bit higher than people have them this year. I think um, it comes down to how well their new defensive coordinator does. If yeah, he has got like a Jim Levitt impact, that could be a pretty mm-hmm. darn good football team. Yeah, definitely. I think I think they have a little bit more coming back on each side of the ball. Feel a little more confident in their ability to win some win some of those close games. Uh, I have Washington State 6, high-powered offense, got a great quarterback. Um, defense should be a little bit improved, still not super talented, I don't think. Um, their schedule is a little bit lighter as well, especially in the non-conference. I have Oregon at 5, uh, maybe a little bit lower than most people would expect. Based on your expectations, though, similar. You said they are going to be 3rd in the North, I have them 3rd in the North as well. Uh, their defense is terrible, get, could be even worse than last year. They have really good running backs, really good wide receivers, but I don't trust Dakota Prukup to be as talented as running Again, re- relying on a transfer quarterback. Yeah, it's can't be good for your quarterback recruiting. No. You wouldn't think. Um, so I have Washington 4, not because I don't think they'll be higher up in the rankings necessarily in terms of record, but just from a pure talent level, I think that all the three teams I have above them would have just as good, if not a better record, if they played their schedule this season. Um, I'm not going to put them higher up on the list just because their schedule is a joke. Um, that's kind of how I decided to do that. Um, USC, I think, is arguably the most talented team in the conference. Their schedule is brutal this year. Um, I have UCLA slightly favored to win the South, so they slide up to number two for me. Do you know what the, um, the spread is on that game against Alabama? They're, I want to. I can look it up really quick. I want to say they're like 10-point underdogs. Okay. Sounds about right. Yeah. Let me see if I can... Pop it up real quick. They are a double-digit underdog, according to the title. They are 12-point underdogs as of this morning. Yeah. So um, Those odds makers are pretty good. They are. Uh, that's probably about right for me. Really talented, but a few question marks, especially offensively, going up against Alabama in the first game of the year. It's usually not a great sign. Um, UCLA, my prediction to win the South right now, they bite me in the ass all the time, so I'm sure they will again this year. I love Josh Rosen, though. I think he can cure a lot of the evils that that team will have. Their secondary is absolutely stacked. Um, gotta love that combination for, C- for UCLA. Well, what's interesting about UCLA is it seemed like Jim Moore did a really good job when he came in of getting rid of that country club atmosphere. It seemed to kind of creep its way back in last year, didn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're kind of, they're very prima donna-y. He's really whiny. Yeah, I mean, I, they definitely have a country club type feel to me. They rub me the wrong way. Might because my brother's at UC, USC, so obviously I have an affinity for them too. But I've never liked UCLA. They rub me the wrong way. They always have. 
Stanford is my number one. Love Christian McCaffrey, one of the best players in college football. That's the deciding factor for me here. Their lines, they have a lot to replace, but they always find a way to be really successful on both of their offensive and defensive line. Um, we'll see Kevin Hogan being gone is going to be interesting because he was way better than I think people expected last year. Um, from a defensive perspective, people are expecting them to be down, but David Shaw always seems to find a way to have a solid D. So despite the fact that their record is brutal and they um, might have too many losses on the schedule to actually play in the championship game, I do think they're the best team in the Pac-12 right now. All right. Let's make some bold predictions here, Tyler. And it's got to be going out on more of a limb than saying something like Sefo Lufau is going to break the school's passing yards mark. He's obviously only 13 away. Let's get a little bit more daring here. What you got for me? All right, so we'll start it off with Devin Ross is going to lead the team in total receptions. I think it's a bold prediction from a perception standpoint of people thinking that she fields because he's their most talented receiver will get that. But when you're playing in a slot role in this offense in terms of receptions, I don't think receiving yards. I think Shea Fields gets that. Yeah, I, I could. I would buy that as well. Shea's more of a. He's going to have like closer to that 17, 18 yards per catch type number. Yeah. Devin Ross, you're going to see probably in single digits. Um, I could see him landing somewhere around 75 catches on the year. I agree with your pick. You're not going to agree with my first one here. Addison Gillum will lead this team in tackles. React. Uh, that would be that is an extremely bold prediction. We'll see if he's out there for the first snap on CSU. I did have I, uh, to give a little second thought when he's listed as a co-starter with yeah, Gambo. Yeah, it's just, there's all these little things that everybody chooses to ignore that are just piling up <laughs> and telling me that he's just never going to be the same. I mean, if that if that's true, that's awesome because that means he's healthy and we're going to be really good. Uh, he's got biceps and triceps now. Yes, he's definitely bigger. There's no doubt that he's gained some of the weight back. So I've been early on in the summer. I said I wouldn't believe it until I saw it. We've definitely seen that from him in the fall. He's he's getting his getting some mass back, but I need to see him play a couple games healthy before I'm ready to make that type of prediction. But it is bold, so <laughs> noted. All right, so I have Cheeto is going to be responsible for at least six turnovers this season, whether it be interceptions, forced fumbles, fumble recovery, you know. All that stuff. Yeah. Doesn't seem like a crazy bull prediction, but he had three last year and he was second team all conference. So yeah, I mean it's that would that, be doubling what he did yeah, last you, year. You would have you would be responsible for a turnover in every other game when we were the only team in the country last year to force a turnover in every game. So it, it doesn't happen quite as much as I think people expect. Charles Clark told me the one thing that he thinks Chido Bayouze does better this year at this time versus when last season ended, was he playing the ball in the air better? So that would yeah, fall not, a, not a great sign for everybody else, if that's yeah, true. Yeah. He's already pretty talented in all the other facets. I feel like I've jinxed this young man, and for that I'm sorry. And I'm going to continue to just jinx <laughs> him more now. I think Jay McIntyre has more punt return yards this season than Nelson Spruce had the previous two seasons in that role. Okay, so do, what was the number? So that we can track this. I believe it was like 141. 51. Give me one second here. So 151. So he's going to have 152 or more punt return yards. Yeah, see. To me, that doesn't seem bold. But based on what we've done in the past, it definitely is. We're still getting but, the nepotism questions, though. Yeah, yeah. no, I know. I mean, if you, you know how I feel about him. Yeah. Like, I, th I think he will definitely do that. He's going to return a lot more punts. I mean, no, just having 61 punt return yards in a season. Just, well, he just fair caught it. I know. It just blows my mind. And I bet he had 35 of them on that one USC return. So, oh, man. Pretty bad. All right, you're up. 152. Come on, Jay. We need you, baby. Help us out. I'm going to be nervous now watching yes. him out there. What if he just returns the first one for, like, 90? <laughs> I'd be looking pretty good. Yeah, yeah he would. All right, so I didn't even tell you this one, so we'll see We'll see what your reaction is. Cepho is going to throw for 24-plus touchdowns this year. Wow. 25 his sophomore year, right? Yep. Hmm, that's pretty bold. I think he had nine last year? Yeah, nine. <laughs> so that's, that's a big improvement. It's pretty bold. Two a game. Okay. I think it's doable. It's doable. Yeah. All right, I got one for you. Jimmy Gilbert leads a team in sacks. That's not bold for me. You know I love you, Jimmy. You walk up to the average CU fan, though. They're going to oh, yeah. Derek McCartney. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, everybody else is going to say you're nuts. But he did it last year, um, even in limited snaps. 
he, he can rush the passer. There's no other way to say it to me. Uh, I've loved Jimmy since he's gotten significant playing time. Um, I could definitely see that happening. I hope it does. I think Derek McCartney is going to be really good in run support this year. He's mm-hmm. put on a lot of weight. I Since the practices were mostly closed, I'm just kind of curious. Is he, is he still moving as well with that added I, weight? I'm a little curious of our pass rush in general. I could see us really struggling to have some quarterback sacks this year overall. Um, we're gonna With that big Josh Tupo on there taking on blockers? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I think it's going to be more of a – we're going to affect the quarterback to throw it quickly. Um, we're going to be much better in run support overall. Not 100% sure we're going to be an elite passing rushing team. Okay. Uh, number four for me. Um, Jordan Carroll will be top five in the Pac-12 in tackles for loss. Um, we t- Jack, you could have done that Jack, last year if you had wrapped was, up, guys. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing. I think he looks even better, more physical than he was last year. You figure he works on that tackling stuff. Gets more used to this level. Is obviously coming from JUCO last year. Got to used, get to get used to the speed, the size. Um, I think he has a chance to be really impactful. We've talked a lot about the O lineman showing improvement from a physicality standpoint under Drew Lewis. I think Jordan Carroll might be his best work this off season. Yeah. I am going to stick on topic here with Mr. Carroll and say that he's going to be a second team All Pac-12 player this year. I mean, if he's top five in the league in tackles for loss. That would probably translate, I would think. Um, I think he honestly has a chance to lead the team in sacks, which is crazy from a 3-4 end. Um, we'll see how they use him, but I, I, I think it'll be interesting. I think you might see a situation similar to last year where we have three or four guys with like six. Um, and the, guy, the poor guy that's not going to get any stats and he's, is, is Tupo. Yeah, oh yeah. Eating I mean, blockers right, up. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, they're they're all gonna have to take him out to a nice triple steak dinner yeah. if this happens, because a lot he's gonna, you know, he's as always the nose tackles the unsung hero. All right, my last one, probably most bold, but it'll be fun for me. Diego Gonzalez will hit eighty percent of his field goals this year. De Niro. Yeah. So what you saw in camp is what. Change your mind because you didn't think yeah. he was going to get seventy five percent. No, yeah, yeah. We talked about this earlier in the year, and I said that I wasn't convinced he would do seventy five, eighty percent. Denaro Gonzalez. All right, couldn't happen to a, a nicer young man than Diego. My last one here is that Colorado's going to finish in the top six in the conference, so the top half of the conference in scoring defense. And it might sound kind of like a bold prediction, but... It is. I mean, it, I think it is to some degree, but you think about some of the defenses. Arizona State's going to finish yeah, below Oregon, them. Cal. Oregon State. Yeah, Oregon, Oregon State, definitely. Arizona State. I mean, so you have at least five that you have to feel really good. We'll see what Arizona does with their this. new defense coordinator. Washington State always gives yeah. up a ton of points. So maybe that's... Yeah, I mean, it, you might end up being right. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine that given where we were a few years ago. But, yeah, I do think it's a legitimate possibility. Do you think if e- either of us hits on a, a majority of our bold predictions that this is a bold team? Like, I mean, Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, let's say, I mean, like, if let's just, we'll throw, if Cepho throws 24 touchdowns, Jordan Carroll's top five in tackles for loss, and Diego hits 80% of his field goals, you got to feel pretty good yeah, yeah. about what this team ends up doing. Definitely. we got some odds and ends before we sign off on this show. And uh, also – want to tell everyone that we've got another podcast coming tomorrow morning. Well, depending when you're listening to this, it's going to be live on buffstampede.com on Thursday morning. I did, an, like a, I think, a 90-minute interview with Ryan Krause, who runs the Colorado State site, and we went back and forth. And uh, he made a prediction that Colorado fans might might like. So oh. definitely, definitely tune into that show. Dude, you're so smart for not allowing me to be on that podcast, by the way. There's no way I could have made it 90 minutes without saying something really aggressive and non-professional. Well, I knew you had your, 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 your free-balling outlet to get all that stuff yeah, out. Yeah. So. I actually feel like I haven't listened back to it yet, but I feel like I could have been so much worse. So now I regret it. i got to go do an add-on segment. Well, some good news in, on the recruiting front this past week. Bubba Bolden told Greg Biggins, a scout analyst, that he wants to visit Colorado first when he when he takes his official visits. I wasn't quite sure when he didn't make it out for the barbecue event if Colorado was still a legit candidate here. But he says Colorado's recruiting him harder than anybody else. You hear that with a lot of recruits. That was a good sign. He's a four-star recruit from Bishop Gorman out there in Las Vegas. And if you know, I don't know if it's going to end up being a package deal with him and Alex Perry. But you know, 
you're, if you got a chance with both of them and Colorado wins some games this season, they got a chance. Yeah, you start out hot. You know, let's say we go. Let's say we get CSU, we get Idaho State. Maybe between Michigan and Oregon, we play one of those guys tough, still lose. We're at two and two, but maybe make a little bit of a statement. One of those road losses. He that he's visiting, hopefully, on the first with everybody else. We, there's no date set yet, but it seems like they've made that Oregon State game kind of a priority for them. That could be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. I've heard the Oregon State weekend is now kind of up in the air as to whether they're going to do that, which I totally understand if you're the head coach of a program and you think about all of what goes into game day weekend and think, gosh, I really want these recruits to come out in December and January when I can give them all of my attention, love them up and show them everything and not be have my attention divided. But you can't duplicate a game day atmosphere in December and January, and you don't know what the weather's going to be like. For a kid coming out from Las Vegas, you don't want him coming out in a snowstorm. Yeah. I understand the dilemma that's involved there. I'm a, And I've kind of gone back and forth, but I'm, I'm almost firmly now in, in the camp of, you've got to bring some of these kids out in the, in the fall, during, during yeah, the season. I'm definitely firmly in that camp. I think game day atmosphere is an important piece of it. Um, getting love from the fans seeing what campus life is like. I mean, they come out, if they come out too late in the process, it's going to be winter break or a Thanksgiving break or one of those things. I mean, you you know, it's a totally different vibe around campus if all the students are gone. Uh, plus the weather, as you mentioned, is, is a factor there as well. Uh, I, I like getting the kids on campus. I can't go to that game, unfortunately, because one of my girlfriend's friends is lame and has her wedding during football season. But hopefully he's there. What's the the scene going to be like at the Tyler Ziskin tailgate party on Friday night? I'm got I got to live vicariously I mean, through you because hopefully it's a zoo. We'll see. I, I don't. I, I thought people were going to be really hyped to get it out of the parking lot, but we'll see. I mean, we're not going to get as many drive-by people as. What, we're what's changed this year? So it's at my house. Okay. Um, which is right. It's only five blocks away from the stadium, so we're just going to walk over okay. when we're ready. Um, I wanted to do it because it's a rooftop. We kind of have our own space. We can cook a whole bunch of food. Um, be you know, little. I think a little better atmosphere for everybody. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll try it out. Um, we'll see if I think we'll probably get a little bit of a less of a crowd because people kind of come over from their own tailgates and do all that kind of stuff. What's on the menu? We haven't officially decided yet, but I think we're going to do some pulled pork in the crock pot. We're going to do a queso dip in the crock pot. Uh, sausage, hot dogs, probably do a little burgers, that kind of stuff. Might throw some salmon, do some burritos in the morning for people who are coming out early. All right. Yeah, it's going to be good. Is CU's performance versus CSU going to affect your alcohol consumption on, on Friday night? Uh, no, because I will be in a good place either way. Although... Maybe a little. So you don't drown your sorrows if, if they if they have a rough game. No, I'm going to, but I'm going to be celebrating my face off if they win. So either either way, <laughs> I think I think it's going to be there's going to be a lot of drinking involved. Let's just say that. Can you send me periodically like pictures of the fun you're having Absolutely. throughout the night? Snapchat, you got it. I hate Mile High Stadium because the the press box is completely shut off. Most most air, press boxes. They'll open the window, so you can at least kind of feel like, even though you can't cheer, you want to feel that, right? It's college football. That's Mm -hmm. what's great about it. The only thing we can ever hear is whenever that cannon goes off, and it's not even that loud, which shows you how sheltered in we are. Yeah, definitely. That cannon. Which is stupid, by the way. I am anti-cannon. Are you kidding me? Of course I'm anti-cannon. That thing haunts my nightmares. I have a story. I despise that cannon. I went to go see, uh, get film of Isaac Miller when he was playing in high school. And I'm on the field and I see this little baby cannon. And I'm thinking, oh, this is kind of cute. I wonder what kind of noise this is really going to make when they score, right? I'm not worried about this cannon at all. And I just happened to be kind of right next to it when the first touchdown scored. And I had forgotten about the cannon, so I wasn't anticipating anything. I came close to jumping out of my skin. I was so freaked out. <laughs> my ears were ringing for like two minutes straight. Yeah. And that's the same game that Isaac Miller yeah, like like almost swallowed his mouthpiece. We thought he was going to die for a second on the field. It was kind of a scary moment. Oh, I didn't hear that story. Yeah. Was it because of the cannon? And he was fine. No, he, was, <laughs> but he was fine like 10 minutes later, but it was kind of a scary moment because he started rolling around on the field and everyone's freaking out. So good thing that uh, Isaac Miller is still with us today. 
Yeah, that, that in my ears, that actually work. Thing. Yeah, that's also a good thing. So, what's going to happen if Friday night goes goes wrong? Uh, you're going to ask me to take over the site, and I'm going to say no. <laughs> you know, I'm just getting in my car, driving south of the border, and just starting a new life. Yeah, pretty much. I'm going. North. I mean, I've got a daughter, so maybe I can't do that. But I'm going to go north of the border, go out for a rip, eh? <laughs> oh, go back man. to Toronto, live my life there, where there's no football. I That's right. I guess there isn't in Mexico yet. So I'd be good. Good there. Go play at Monterey there. Tech. Yeah, where Diego uh, came from. At least I get basketball. In Canada, though. I, I could go be a Raptors fan. I don't really like the Raptors, but it's better than soccer. So, so you're going north of the border, okay? Yeah, yeah. We're, well, well see, I'll see you in another. I'll get you. Then. I'll get a long distance plan. <laughs> we can chat. Maybe when the Buffs make a bowl game in 2091. Well, if, that's if we lose this game. Well, that's why I'm surprised that your nervousness scale was at a three. Um, it really, it really is. Which is, I'm almost scared more because of it. Because you well, know, that's your nervousness. I mean, you've known me. No, no, no. I mean, like, I'm scared. Because I feel like I'm overly confident. I don't ever... I'm never like this. Like, you know me. Before this yeah. game every year, I'm crawling out of my skin for like two weeks. The game's in two days, and I'm like fully calm. Fully calm. So, I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad. Well, the good thing is if they get out with a win, at least for a week, you're just kind of almost like a living in relief. Oh, yeah. Because you know Idaho State's going to be an easy Yeah, game. no, like I said, I think, I think we're pretty much in relief till week five. There's not a whole lot but, that but, happens in week three and four that's going to piss me off. Tyler, you know what's going to happen, though? Like, if they make a statement against CSU and then beat Idaho State, when people wake up the Saturday of the well, game in Michigan... Some people, even though, yes. Not me. Come on. You know, I'm like the, I'm like the most... I never get too high or too low with the prediction. Are you the, the Dan Hawkins, the fans yeah, down like the valleys people, and the... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, people are... I always feel like people are way too pissed about stuff. Like, the 5-7 and seven prediction, everyone's going to freak out. And I'm like, I don't really think that's that bad. And But if we win two games, I'm not going to be like, we're going 10-2! It's not happening. That's just not how I operate. <laughs> when you wake up on game day, though... Well, I mean... Don't I'll, you always have a little bit of that just optimism creep in? Well, yeah, I want, I want us to win. You know what I mean? Like, but it's... I'm, there's nothing that's going to happen that's going to have me upset when we lose to Michigan. It's not going to happen. Jabril Peppers is a bad man. Yes. I mean, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to be there partying. we got a big house. It's going to be fun. There'll be, there'll be no tears from a Michigan loss for me. Well, we've done multiple podcasts here. We've done our Top Buffs countdown. We're going to do our video preview. Tyler, I'm so ready just to be done talking and actually watch football. I feel like between close practices, the fact that the first college football game of the season was a crappy game yeah. between two crappy teams. Uh, we got one game tomorrow. Well, I'm sure there's more than one. but Oh, Thursday's night slate's pretty good. But I'm yeah. starving for football more than I usually am at this point. Yeah, I always am really shocked by my ability to still like football based on the fact that I'm from Cleveland and I went to CU since 2005. Football must be truly amazing because my fandom for it is very resilient. I can't imagine how obsessed I'm going to be when, like, could you imagine if the Browns, like, what if they made the playoffs and CU made a bowl in the same year? I don't know what I would do with myself. Colorado's chances of going to a bowl game are substantially greater. (laughs) It's not going to happen this year. I'm just saying at some point, like, you would think just by a numbers perspective, that's going to happen somewhere along the way. I'm not going to know what to do with myself. I'm going to actually have to watch football in December and stuff. What's that about? Yeah, I've gotten so used to being able to make holiday plans <laughs> yes, in the middle yeah. of the season that I'm looking forward to the inconvenience of being able to tell everyone that I'm busy, that i got to go cover a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, for, for the holidays this year, I'm already going to be in Brooklyn for the basketball tournament. So, Except if, if it's the Sun Bowl, I'd be a little disappointed. I'm going. I'm going, too, but El Paso... <laughs> Hey, man, all I'm saying is I had a great time in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and CU finally made the tournament again. So all things are possible. Uh, have we touched every base, Tyler? Are, have we given every opinion we possibly have? Before I think season? so. I'm sure the fans will tell us if we miss something extravagant. Right. We, can get, we can get at them on Twitter if they have something else that we missed. Fair enough. Well, we're going to have our video preview for the Rocky Mountain Showdown. I mentioned a podcast I recorded with Ryan Krause that will be up on Thursday morning. So look for those items. I feel like we've uh, given you plenty of content. Hopefully you can consume it all before the Rocky Mountain Showdown kicks off. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back next week.
to recap the CSU game and look ahead to Idaho State.